Welcome to Sex Communication, a project aimed at changing how people talk about sex. It features audio recordings of sex acts, extremely frank conversations, and many confessionals. Please note that our content is explicit and uncensored. And while these episodes may indeed arouse you, the intent is to inform and inspire. Join us now for a judgment and shame-free exploration of sex. Sexy, sexy, sex stuff. Sex. Hello and welcome to episode 72. Today is the quickie episode detailing how I got off from September 30th through October 6th. And I had a really shitty week. Um, Not that it was not of my own making, it absolutely was. Uh, But because the actions that I took that put me in such a shitty headspace happened... Well, they really began very late Monday night. Um, Monday wound up being the only day that I beat off. Um, And I beat off with some porn, and the porn got pretty disturbing. I mean, not the most disturbing porn I've ever seen by any means, but, eh, like, it was a real fine line watching it between being disgusted and intrigued, not really aroused. Parts of it, like, I'm probably bordering close to it, but... On the whole, I found it, eh, eh, well, you'll see for yourself. I have, of course, included all of the links in the show notes. There are three links this week. Um, they're all they're all porn found using the search topic bound groping. So you can imagine what you would find. Two of them are from Pornhub, but one is from a separate site. And it looked like there are plenty of other disturbing things on this site, so... Feel free to look around and get disturbed <laughs> or aroused. I'm not judging. Anyway, um, ugh, what else? Well, I mean, to just give you some context of why why it was a shitty week. Um, if you've been listening to these quickie episodes with any regularity, you might be aware that I do occasionally suffer from depression. Um, it comes in, in bouts and it seems somewhat cyclical. Um, and also, strangely, I feel like if I do have seasonal affective disorder, it's in reverse, wherein the summer months are the most depressing time for me. But um, what happened this week, I, I really don't think is anything to do with it. But a lot of the reactions are very similar to the reactions I would have from feeling like bodily depressed. Um, I have had a contentious relationship with my mother my entire life, pretty much, um, for reasons I, I don't need to get into here. But in the last year, especially, um, things have been contentious for new reasons. And those reasons have a lot to do with my working on projects that center around sex. Um, <laughs> how to how to frame this. So my mother's a really smart woman. Um, We've never had, like, despite her raising me as a single mother for most of my childhood, we aren't especially close. We don't have, like, a best friend kind of bond where we share things. We never had that kind of connection. Um, But she has been married many times, as has my father. Both of them have been married four times. Her current husband, which is the longest marriage she's ever had, and he's a lovely man. I'm not... um, I I don't have anything bad to say about him, but he has very strong political and religious views. And despite the intelligence of my mother, she does seem to allow herself to be heavily influenced by her male partners. 
Um, so I have noticed a real change in her since they've been married, which has been over a decade in that, you know, she's Republican now. She goes to church once a month. Uh, she used to be an atheist and apolitical and would never vote. And now she parrots his opinions and reactions about, you know, things like sex and politics. Um, so she's, our relationship being what it is, it's very superficial. There's never a lot of, uh, or any discussion of like feelings and situations and struggles and things like that. Like it's happened maybe three times over the 40 years I've been alive that we have had a, a conversation that would, you know, encompass things like that. But in general, you know, when we see each other, there's silence and there may be some very topical questions. What's new? You know, things like that. But it's like kind of the extent of it. It never goes deep at all. Um, so she is aware because she was on my mailing list, which I've kind of like let fall by the wayside with the site, um, you know, that sex had become more of a focus in the writing on the site. And then the writing on the site expanded to other projects. And then the podcast started, which is all about sex. And rather than trying to understand or be curious at all, like what was behind this change or what was, you know, actually included in these projects, uh, she kind of chose to do just hear the word or read the word sex or porn or whatever, and just kind of shut off and never went further than that. So she has very inaccurate uh, and limited views about what I'm doing because she's never tried to understand or see that there's anything beyond what she's kind of just kind of taken as like a trigger word and, and shut herself off to. Uh, the reason why I'm mentioning this is because in the last week, that being something that was bothersome to me, you know, that's like, you know, I, I applied to be um, a speaker at South by Southwest and there was a community voting portion of it, you know, like she would not even vote in support of my idea. She just wouldn't do that. Um, and when I had asked her and I was describing, you know, like <laughs> this was an intellectual discussion. It wasn't, I don't know what she thought it was, but I, I presented it in a way that made it clear that it was not that, you know, that this was an intellectual discourse of philosophical discussion about, um, you know, sex on the internet and, you know, the bigger picture, which if you listen to this show, then I'm sure you're aware. So I'm not going to belabor this point, but it was more that she said, well, these are my views and I, you know, I would love you, you know, appreciate if you respect them and just understand I can't support you in this. So it became this, um, stated position of like, you're my daughter, but I'm going to put my beliefs ahead of you as a person. Um, and initially my response, I was angered by it, but I decided, you know, it wasn't worth arguing. I chose to kind of attempt to be the bigger person and, you know, like just because 
you're doing that. Like I can choose to continue having a relationship with you and put you ahead of my beliefs. My beliefs being like, if somebody is in a relationship with me, if I'm in some sort of situation with a person and they can't accept me, like my beliefs are, I deserve better than that. And I'm going to separate myself from that situation. But she's my mother. So I chose to put her in that relationship ahead of that. And here she's doing the reverse. So fine. I had decided, you know, I was gonna (laughs) keep trying to trudge that high road. And then, you know, things would, you know, my birthday was two months ago now at this point. And, um, you know, she had asked me what I wanted for my birthday, which, you know, as you become older, like, well, the (sighs) things become more and more meaningless, right? And I, I said, you know, the best thing you could do is kind of like invest in some of the things that um, I need to purchase. You know, I needed to replace my couch. Uh, I have this 60 year old vintage couch that's like, it's beautiful, but (laughs) you can't get out of it. It's anyway, not the point. So the couch was one of the, the big ticket items. And the other thing was upgrading my podcasting equipment because the mics I have, you know, they make editing problematic because when I'm interviewing a person in person, there are so many table noises that come from it that I knew that I needed to kind of go the dynamic mic route with boom stands and whatever. I had a whole, anyway. Um, so I'd mentioned this to her and, you know, that I was getting a quote from this electronics place that was going to kind of bundle it all up and give me everything that I needed so that there were no little pieces here and there that I was missing. Uh, and she asked me to, to get back to her with a quote for that presumably because she was fine with supporting this equipment upgrade. Um, I wasn't able to give her that quote until a couple of weeks ago. And it wasn't until this past Monday that she wrote me back finally and was like, um, you know, sorry, I've been out of range, can't support porno production, love you, the mommy. And uh <laughs> Uh, it was so irritating. It was so irritating. Um, and it just felt like the last straw, but it didn't feel like the last straw and that it inspired this kind of, uh, hysterical angered, you know, beat my fist temper tantrum reaction. It kind of put me in this hyper, uh, just like this state of just hyper awareness of this still moment and this opportunity to take this reaction and, you know, perhaps behave in a way that, that put my own interests ahead of hers. Um, or at least like, (laughs) yeah, more about advocating on my own behalf than, than just continuing to, you know, however passively participate in this relationship with somebody that's constantly um, kind of like compartmentalizing the parts of me that they're willing to accept. And I hit a, a breaking point as far as like what I was able to continue doing with her. And I sat with this state of mind for about an hour I thought about the people that I could reach out to to kind of bounce some ideas off of, but it felt unnecessary. I felt like, I felt clarity. I felt there wasn't anything to be gained from hammering it out with another person. I didn't even feel the need to hammer anything out. It was more of like 
like a instinct kind of programmed into me by recovery of, you know, running things by other people before you make perhaps rash decisions. But this didn't feel like a rash decision. It felt like 40 years of demonstrated behavior, uh, our relationships, limitations being what they were, and this situation being what it was in this very moment. And I wrote her back, um, that's completely ignorant of what I'm doing, but that's your choice. And my choice is to cease having a relationship with you. Uh, so at this point, it was an hour after she had texted me. So it was around midnight, which is very late for my mother. So I assumed she was asleep when I sent that. Um, and I went to bed and I was thinking about what I had just sent to her. And I was thinking about how so much of my relationship with her has been out of perceived obligation and fear of her death. Um, you know, there are a lot of things that have never been discussed openly between us. Um, you know, abuse that happened when I was younger and, uh, positions that she put me in and, and, you know, we've never discussed those things. And it was in recovery that I was kind of able to get to a place where I could honestly say, you know, I think she did the best she could at the time and approach it from some position of forgiveness and understanding that we're all flawed and fucked up. And nobody does this life thing right, being right in all quotes. Uh, you know, and uh, just because I want her to be X, Y, and Z doesn't mean that she is. She's her own person, as am I. And if I'm going to ask her to accept my fault, I have to, ex- you know, accept hers. So it was, you know, being mindful of that. And then, like I said, this position of fear, you know, I, I have so much, the fear of her death. When I say that, I mean that you know, because she's in her 70s. I don't know when she's going to die, but it's not like it would be a shock if she was to die soon. And I'm not wishing this on, I'm just saying like logistically, you know, that it's something to think about as a, a child about your parents. But it's like the finality of death means that <laughs> whatever glimmer of hope I've managed to carry in the back of my mind that one day we'll sit down and talk about what happened rationally and in a way that we can like openly and in a stated way verbally communicate forgiveness for each other and like just an acknowledgement of what happened like despite knowing knowing intellectually that this is like it's crazy to think that this is ever going to happen and I've talked about this with therapists, and they've echoed this sentiment. Like, you you may want this, but it doesn't mean you're going to get it. And all signs of past behavior point to you're crazy. You're crazy if you think that this is going to ever happen, right? But as long as she's alive, I'm able to kind of keep that idea alive. And so... Sending her a message that says, I want to end our relationship is kind of like that's doing what death would do. But in, you know, obviously we're living people and we're able to change our minds. And it's not like I think that this is something that can never become, we can never come back from. But 
I don't know. It was just awareness of that. And also looking at it like if she was any other person, if she was not family or not even family, if she was not my mother and I was in this situation with another person and this is how I felt about um, seeing them, like it was driven by fear and obligation, like I would run. I would fucking run. I would never sit and take this. Uh, so all to say that that's how I left that night. Um, and then wound up watching the girl being porn. And then the next day she had messaged Beam back and she basically was like, why are you equating money with love? And I don't know how you can turn your back on me as your mother. Things like this. Things, the, the mention of the money too just made, made it clear. She, she's not hearing me. She's not understanding that there's something beyond you know, this triggered superficial state that she's allowed herself to remain in and is, you know, it it just, I knew if I was to say anything, it would fall on deaf ears. If that's the case, like, then what's the point of responding? Of course, I wanted to respond. I wanted to tell her what's what. Um, But at this point, I knew to react in a state of anger was not going to be helpful to either of us. So I did reach out at that point to somebody to get their advice and counsel. And their response was, you know, why don't you, like, if you want to respond, that's fine, but wait 48 hours to do so. Um, And that seemed reasonable. And I got off the phone. Well, the other thing that they had mentioned, they said, (laughs) just be aware that, you know, if you wait the 48 hours, you don't wait the 48 hours, no matter what you write to her, no matter what is said, like you can see, like this has been demonstrated repeatedly, she's going to apply her own narrative to the situation, no matter what. You're really not going to influence that. And that hit me the most. And when I got off the phone, you know, I sat with it for another hour. And I just was like, like that made so much sense and just rang so true. And so I decided not to respond at all. And I, I haven't, but what wound up happening. So this was Tuesday morning, um, Tuesday night. Like I have, I'm a night owl and I have terrible <laughs> sleep schedule, uh, habits. And I, especially recently, just in this weird cycle I got into with, with work deadlines, I've been going to bed like 5, 6 a.m. I had kind of adjusted it so that I was getting to bed by like 1, 2, probably like 2 a.m. But now it was like skewing to near 6 nearly every night. And um, yeah, this night I I went to bed at 8 (laughs) p.m. I went to bed at 8 p.m. And I, in the past, I've tried to do that as a way to kind of reset my circadian rhythm. And I wind up like popping up out of bed four hours after I lay down. Um, and that didn't happen. I slept until 12 p.m. the next day, um, which, I mean, I got up to feed the cats, but like that hasn't happened for a while. And when I got up, like, yes, oversleeping does this to you, but I felt like I'd been hit by a fucking truck. Like I felt not only physically uh, flattened, but emotionally just destroyed. And I've kind of been dealing with those sorts of feelings the entire week. I haven't been going to bed as early. I've been, you know, getting immediately back into staying up to all hours of the night now in this kind of nervous 
uh, jeweling. I've been jeweling up a storm. Like I'm sitting there smoking and smoking and smoking and smoking and smoking and staying up and fretting and working and like this just ugh, rabbit's nest in my head. And, um, yeah, I just, when I sleep, I can't wake up the next day. I just have all week, every time I try to wake up, feel like I could just sleep forever. <laughs> uh, and it's been really problematic, you know? I mean, I don't feel like doing anything fucking sexual for myself or with anyone else. Oh, but now that I'm saying this, man, I'm realizing uh, the masturbation party person... The one that there had been contact with that I've played with many times since said party. He came over Tuesday, I think. Anyway, so we played together and I got off at that time. <laughs> there was no sex, you know, but um, yeah, there is always some physical contact. So that happened this week. I can't believe I totally forgot about that. Anyway, um... The only other sexual thing that happened, I um, I had considered briefly doing paid phone sex with somebody uh, who's a listener that approached me with the idea after last week's episodes where I mentioned, you know, that I'd been considering different types of paid sex work given certain things that had come up that people were asking of me. None of them at that time being phone sex. So I did consider it. Um just because I don't have any current design clients right now, I was considering it a little bit more than I normally would. But in the end, I declined because I hate phone sex. I don't like phone sex with people that I like. Like, I'm not, I'm even less interested in doing it with somebody that I don't even know this person. Um, like, we've communicated via uh, messages and whatnot, but like, I don't know them. And... <sighs> Yeah, I think phone sex is the worst, honestly. I don't enjoy it. It feels uh, fake. I don't really like things that are forced and fake. And I just... It's too much. It just takes so much. And no matter what I would fucking charge to do it for as short a time as it would... Like, nothing would make it worth it. Nothing would make it. And I just was like, you know, this is... This is absurd. So... I declined, um, and I'm bringing back the approach of if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no, and phone sex is most certainly not a hell yes. It Like, it's a stretch to say it's a meh, or meh. That's, at best, that's what it is, but anyway. Um, there, But it wasn't all <laughs> bad this week. Um, it was nice to see this guy from the masturbation party and connect and kind of share he shared with me some shit that's been going on with him, and I told him about my mom, and we, you know, we talked about that. Uh, and I had a great interview Saturday with um, a guest that I met at Sex Down South, the conference I was at in Atlanta, uh, and that's going to be coming out in a couple of weeks. But that was that was a really it was the highlight of my week, so I'm really excited to put that out. Um, but yeah, so that that was uh, <laughs> the ups and downs, but unfortunately mostly downs of this past week. And until Thursday's regular episode, I wish you well. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sex Communication. Did you dig it? Tell a friend. Subscribe. Leave a review on iTunes. Send an email. I really would love for you to do all of these things.
And if you'd like to know more about this project, visit graphicpaint.com sexpodcast for additional episodes and background on how this all began. And if you'd like to be a part of this podcast, send an email to sex at graphicpaint.com. Every story and experience is valuable, so why not do an interview or submit your own filthy audio? Be a part of our revolution and help us spread the message of sexy self-acceptance.